Well, you may be in a little trouble today because the Lord changed the sermon on Wednesday morning. I was ready to go uh, when I left work on Tuesday afternoon, but coming in Wednesday and just reading through uh, the text for the day, I hope you're taking advantage of that, our daily reading plan. Many of us are reading through the scriptures over three years, and we're in Exodus in the Old Testament, and the Lord just wouldn't let go of that that passage for me, so we're going to stay with that passage. There's a, there's a hard check on our lives in that passage, but there's also some, some wonderful words of encouragement for the church in this passage as well. Listen, I understand it's, it's, it's a day where we've had some storms outside, but as I look, our, our attendance is a little bit lower than it usually is today. I'm kind of wondering, would, would people stay home? If uh, there was an SEC game, or would this rain keep you from deer camp? Would it keep? Can we grumble and complain against each other? Can a preacher who should be thankful for so many people here this morning, just because of one little empty pew, I'm not going to say where it is, but you remember who sits here next week. <laughs> On a day where we celebrated a baptism, the sacrament of God, and been so richly blessed, but this thing, and I'm going to fixate on that. And that's what we see here in the people of God. How quickly, if you're following along in your notes, how quickly we can grumble with others. We're looking at God's provision for his people, and God meets every need for them perfectly. Same as it is with his church in Acts. We see that everybody who had need, their needs were being met. Verse 17, you see that God's working this out uh, perfectly, that if, if you even think you need a whole lot and you take a whole lot, it works out. And if you think you need just a little and you take just a little, Scripture says here, it all worked out. Everybody had perfectly what they needed. If you took a little more, you took a little less, so everybody's good, right? And how quickly they, and maybe we, can point the finger at others. We can blame others or grumble against others, be fixated by what other people have, by what other people do. Later in the passage, you see that they go out and get a double portion on the day before Sabbath. And Moses ends up saying after that, well, of course you're going to do that because the Sabbath day is holy, and, and so get a double portion, and you can keep that for the next day. That's the one thing you can keep uh, for the next day. Trust the Lord on that. You're not to hoard or keep every day, but on that day it's fine. But how did Moses find out about it? He didn't see it. What happened? Somebody tattletailed. <laughs> not just one but several, the leaders came to Moses. Do you see what they're doing? You told them once, and now they're doubling up. How quickly we can point the finger at another. And this has been the story from Genesis 3 on. We've talked about that before. That as soon as humanity fell there in the garden, Eve immediately points to the devil and says it's his fault. Y'all, if you ever have to make an excuse, that's the way to go. Beelzebub, the father of lies, the devil showed up and maybe do it, right? But Adam makes a terrible mistake. What does he say? And he has to live with this for hundreds of years. She did it. He grumbles against her. This woman he's going to live with for centuries. And he not only blames her, but we'll get to this in a minute. It's that woman that you gave me. Whether it's the older son grumbling against the prodigal son, 
whether it's Peter looking at John and saying to Jesus right after he's restored to ministry, what are you going to do with him? What about that guy? What happens to him from the front of the Bible all the way to the end of the Bible? Sadly, how quickly we can turn on one another, how quickly we can grumble against one another. Listen, I apologize. You've probably read about it in the papers, seen it on the local news, but it's important for us to talk about this here today. The great electric toothbrush crisis in the male parsonage. My wife and I got an electric toothbrush about two or three weeks ago. Now listen, I'm a, I'm a preacher, so I'm cheap. We're not sharing the brush. I got two brushes, but I only paid for one main unit, all right? Now the way art works at the parsonage, we have two sinks. I'm on the right sink, Sarah's on the left sink, but there's only one outlet, and it's on the left side. So that's where the recharger is for the electric toothbrush. Well, every time I brush my teeth, I've been putting the main unit right in the middle. You don't need to recharge that thing every day. But Sarah keeps putting it back on the recharger. It makes no sense because then I've got to walk around her. If she's not there, I've got to walk all the way over there. So again, I've routinely just put it in the middle. She keeps. This has gone on for months. How can this woman not see the inconvenience it is for me and can be for her when she's there and getting ready? Finally, last week. Finally, for the first time, she put the main unit in the middle of the counter. She took her brush off, put it on her sink, but put it right there. You know why she did it that day? Finally repented of this horrific sin in her life against God and against me. You know why she did it? Because I finally mentioned it. Oh, I've sat here in my sink. What are you doing putting it over there? It makes no sense. Finally said, hey, babe. Why don't we keep it here? We recharge it over the weekend, but just leave it there. It's not been a problem. That's a word for us. If we don't carefully, with gentleness and reverence, express when we have a need or a concern with our spouse, with our children, with our coworkers, and we let that thing fester, it's not just going to stay in our mouths and our thoughts. Eventually, it's going to get into our hearts, and we're going to grumble against our loved ones, against people who are trying to reach for Christ here. And that can be deadly. And you see that happening here with the people of God. People that they've been saved by God, they've been provided for by God perfectly, and yet, and yet, they begin to grumble. But it goes further than that. Verse 19, they gather, but they do not keep it till morning. Um, they're supposed to trust. Trust the Lord. Gather it, but get rid of it. I'll give it to you in the morning. But then all of a sudden there begins this hoarding. And maybe that means there's, there's lack of trust. Listen, worse than the toothbrush incident, it, and I'm going to step on toes and I'm going to get letters about it, but it's okay. Because you know who you are. Everybody has that family member that every time you go out to eat, what do you take home with you? The box, right? And that's wonderful to do. That's good stewardship. But for you people that take the box home, when you've got somewhere else to go, like a movie or shopping after dinner, and you let that box sit in our car, so when I get in that car to drive home and there's that blast of smell of whatever you were eating, see, I'm grumbling again. Sorry. But that's what happens here. 
Oh, it's good. I just I need to hold on to this, and I'm going to keep it in my box, and we'll take care of it. Of course, it doesn't take care of. Anytime we try to hoard or grasp or control outside of God's will, it rots, and that's what you see happening here. Maybe it is like Genesis 3, Adam and Eve. God, do you really care? God, will you really provide? Is God holding out on me so I'm going to it's what the devil, it's what that serpent said. God's holding out. I'm going to grasp. Or maybe it's worse. It's just out and out greed and co- consuming, consumption. I'm just going to take as much as I can get. This grumbling starts with grumbling against each other, but Moses calls it out for what it is and sadly where it can go to. You see it in Adam and Eve's life. You see it here in the people of God's life. The grumbling with others turns into really and ultimately a grumbling with God, a complaint against God. It starts, to look in verse 3, it starts with Moses and Aaron. You've brought us out here. You've brought us out here to starve us or kill us, depending on your translation. Even then pointing God, I wish God would have just killed us and left us out here. First we didn't have water, now we don't have food. And so just like Jonah, they're, they're whining and saying, why didn't you take us out? They're grumbling. Remember when Dr. Bill Urey was here, one of the messages he taped, he talked about complaining the root word for that is it actually reads goo goo smooth <laughs> somebody who complains or whines somebody who grumbles goo goo smooth and I remember him preaching one time saying how I just don't want to be labeled a complainer but worse I don't want to be called a goo goo smoother I mean what a terrible name to be known as a goo goo smoother when it's God who's calling you that it's not just grumbling with each other and how quickly that can come from from what you just see here, just a chapter before, it's gratitude to God. God's brought them, God's brought them through so many things, and yet here it turns to turning inward. They've just come. This, this is how the chapters work. They've had all these miracles, plague after plague, where they've seen the hand of God. And even when they're leaving, they they literally plunder Egypt. God sets it up where the Egypt gives them everything to leave. And then in Exodus 14, the Red Sea not only opens up, but the wind blows, and it's even dry ground that they walk across. And then when in God's timing, the waters uh, come across the Egyptians. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And finally in Exodus 15, the next chapter, when they come to a place where there's no water... Another miracle, God gives them fresh water out of that to drink, and then we get to chapter 16. How quickly we can grumble against each other, how quickly, though, and ultimately, we can grumble against God. That's verse 8. Moses knows it's not on him. They're complaining against God. They're grumbling. Do you even care? Why have you led us here? Listen, that's a hard thing, Uh, but it's a needed word for parents. Sometimes as we struggle to to share what we believe God's leading our family to be, but especially as this is is God's word for our kids and we're going to stand up for it. Even though the culture around us is falling, we're going to stand up. Now we're going to do it how God tells us to do it. Not provoking our children to anger with gentleness, all those things. We're going to do it how God tells us to do it, but we're also going to do what God tells us to do in terms of raising our children up in the faith. And when they push back, yes, they're pushing against you, but, but sometimes it could be they're just pushing against God. It's not you. You're standing in and God's blessed you to, to, to grow them. And so you just have to stand up. 
preacher preaches a certain sermon, it steps on toes. Look, I need to grow in my preaching. But, but sometimes I realize, well, I don't, I don't think that one's on me. I think this is what God's, I know this is what God's called us to do. It's okay. This is ultimately a pushback on God's word. So you stand tall. Your friends will tell you to surrender and capitulate and compromise. They're pushing back, not on you. They're pushing back on God living through you. So you can take it. As hard as it must have been for Moses and Aaron here to be grumbled against. But, and it's not going to stop here either. They can stand up and name it for what it is. I think this is, this is pushing back really against God. So it helps us in our ministry uh, at work and with our families and with our friendships to know that this, this could be a pushing back there. So we see here the absolute precision and perfection in God's provision for his people. And everybody had enough. Everybody had enough. But is enough enough? Maybe a word for us in that. There's a TV show years ago called Mad Men. In one, of those, in one of those scenes, this advertising executive, Don Draper, is trying to sell Dow Chemical on his advertising agency. They have another agency. They've got a 50% market share, yet he's bold enough to go into their office and tell them they need to go with his advertising firm. And here's, 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 here's exactly what happened. He says to them, and again, they're happy with their 50% share. He says to them, even though success is a reality for you, its effects are temp temporary. You get hungry even though you have just eaten. We work for London Fog now in our firm. We had 81% of the market last year, but we didn't stop because 81% is not enough. The Dow Chemical executive says to Don Draper, we're happy with our agency. Don replies, you're happy with 50%? I won't settle for 50% of every, anything. I want 100%. You don't want most of it. You want all of it. And I won't stop until you get all of it. There really can come to the people of God this temptation that enough really isn't enough. Maybe God is holding out on us. And so our attentions can turn to the, to the voice of the serpent, to our own voice, to the voice of culture, and, says, and say, is God holding out? Is enough enough, or do I grasp and do I hoard? Do I control? And you see that here in, in Exodus 16. After all this provision of God, miracle after miracle, whether you took a lot or you took a little, it's perfect, and yet they grumble and they want more. And again, God has to make it clear here. After that Sabbath stuff and them tattling on one another, grumbling with other, he has to make it clear, okay, you can go out on the day before Sabbath and get what you need double. But as you read further in the scripture, guess what they do on Sabbath anyway, some of them? They still go out and they look and scavenge. Can't find anything. Can't find anything, but we're I'm going to go and try and get all that I can get for me or for my family. I'm just doing this for our family, for our life. It really can be a lack of trust. There's a word for us there, but here's the good word. After all of that, after, after miracle after miracle, and then they grumble with Moses at the water of the chapter before, and then here they grumble and he still feeds them. What we see here is the goodness of God. 
Who initiates this, by the way? It's not Moses. It's not Moses running to God, and he does it a lot. What, 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 what am I going to do with these people? It's God who brings this up. He's the one who initiates this issue. It puts his goodness, his patience, his long-suffering uh, on display, his steadfastness, that word hesed that John Oswald talked to us about. Look in verse 7. I want you to know it's me. I want you to even see my glory. Yes, you doubters. Yes, you complainers. Yes, you graspers and hoarders. I want you to see my glory. I would have thought that he would have said to him, you know what, I'm going to have them fast for a day. Forget about double portion. Let one day, let Sabbath day be a day where you remember you were dependent on me. And you hurt for a little bit that day as you fast. You remember I'm the one. No, get a double portion. His goodness, his overflowing love and provision. And then in verse 9, too, it says that he heard their grumbling. It's a good word. Do you ever feel unheard? In our busy culture, you feel like maybe somebody doesn't pay attention to you like they ought to pay attention to you. It's not God. We can... We can be tempted by the pagan gods, but we're reminded by the psalmist they have ears, but they cannot hear. I mean, to get the pagan gods to do things as you go through this Old Testament, they have to do all kinds of weird things I won't talk about, all kinds of crazy rituals, just to rouse them. Will you please pay attention to us? And here in their grumbling and their hurt, Scripture testifies, and whatever you're going through today, Scripture testifies that the Lord God hears. He knows what's going on. He is the one who initiates this conversation with Moses. It's not the other way around. Is that a word you need to hear today? Listen, we can be quick to, 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 to turn to somebody else, to fixate on somebody else, what they have and, and, and whatever they're doing. That's a temptation we have to guard ourselves on because it moves from our attitude, sadly, to our heart too quickly. This is the book of Exodus. And what God is trying to do is exit us from Egypt, to get that out of us, to not let goo-goo-smoosing or complaining or blaming or point, get that out of our life. How, how is it you and I, what, what relationship is that? We need to check that this morning and guard our, not just our attitude, but our hearts, but also to just take to God whatever struggle you have. It took me two months to talk about a toothbrush. How long has it been since you've talked about that with God, whatever that need is, whatever that hurt is, Scripture promises us He is a God who will hear. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this, your word. It paints a picture for us of, of just real life, things we bump into all the time. We, we confess that before you. But we thank you as well for the grace that we see here with you, that you take the first step. We saw that today in Wells' baptism. We see this again in your response to your people. Father, help us to guard our hearts. Help us to be real about our hearts to you. But also, Father, help us just to trust, to trust your provision, to trust your word, for you are more than enough. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.